The Weezer Bracket is brought to you by Life Itself in theaters now. Um, well, actually, I don't know when this comes out. Like, uh, if we get if we get it out by Friday, you can still see it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Thursday is when they change everything over. Yeah. Ooh. So we saw Life Itself on Sunday more afternoon. Another uh, chapter of our good decision making. We saw Life Itself. Whoa. We've seen some crazy movies on Sunday afternoons. I think I think that's when we saw the Oogie Love that's, movie. No, we saw it on a Monday because oh, it's a Memorial Day or something or and Labor Day. That was day. the day. Uh, that was Michael how Clark we honored Dun- the troops. Yeah, and that's also the day Mark- Michael Clark Duncan died. So it turns out Amorosa was manipulating him at the end of the lives. <laughs> so he may have not actually wanted us to watch the movie as his dying wish. Uh, Amorosa told me that, and I believe. I'll always believe that his final wish was for us to see Oogie Loves. I mean, he seemed to believe in that movie that he had nothing to do with. <laughs> so, Life Itself. Life Itself is a special piece of shit. Oh, my God. I went in hoping, expecting us to laugh and be like, this movie fucking sucks. But I hated it. I oh, hated- you hated this movie like you haven't hated a movie in a long time. I think I, t- how many- I turned to you multiple times and said, I just fucking hate this. I mean, I think you hated it like maybe the most I've ever seen you hate a movie during Antonio Banderas' 78-minute long <laughs> monologue. There is a monologue that goes on for if we we still had films on reels. I think One it, reel. I'm pretty sure it's actually still going on. We just left the movie. <laughs> I like, And here's the thing. I didn't think the character would go back, come back. And so I just like, you know, elbowed next to you. I go, imagine casting the role of guy listening to Antonio Banderas' <laughs> I mean, monologue. You did not expect that guy to become one of the main I characters. I did not. I movie. thought they were going to brush him off as the way they brushed off anything interesting in that movie. Hey, do you remember when Gene Smart tells Olivia Wilde she's glad her parents are dead? That scene is insane. <laughs> Hold on. Remember when like one of the 17 emotional cruxes of the film is set to Justice Dance? <laughs> Oh, yes, I I went over and started singing it to I know, you. You turned to me and I was like, and you know what the thing is like because it plays in the background of an emotional scene, and then they kind of cut to a party scene and and raise the volume a little like, bit. And like, here's the thing: I can see like people having an emotional scene while like a banger of a song because that song is a fucking banger. It's a great fucking banger. Uh, having that in the scene and you do it for contrast, like, oh, at sometimes at parties, people have the worst moments of their lives. Guess what? There is no fucking commentary in this movie. This movie has nothing to say. It's unfucking real. It has some things to say about Bob Dylan's time out of the month. Oh, you know what it actually has to say? What? Guess what? It's sad when people die. <laughs> I wish people didn't have I to got, die. Halfway through, I was like, oh, this movie's dumb Margaret. This is just dumb Margaret. And Margaret, I thought was pretty dumb. In it Margaret's itself. a great movie. I disagree with this. Margaret was a great experience. I'll say that. Margaret was one of those experiences where it's like anything can happen in this movie. Like when she just goes up to her teacher, she goes, hey, did I tell you I don't know? Abortion I've seen the extended month? cut, so that scene makes yeah. much more sense. Oh, I understand that, but that's like that doesn't count. Like you don't put forth. It's like it's like one of those fucking nerd movies. Like, oh, this makes sense in this Star Wars movie if you've read these eight novels. Well, guess what? I'm not reading eight novels in my lifetime, let alone eight Star Wars novels. Fuck that shit. <laughs> I'd read eight. I'd read. I would love the life itself extended, like extended universe. I'd like. I know. I would actually like to read the book that she writes at the end in the year twenty seventy five. In the year twenty seventy five, people go to book readings and they have iPhone eights. Like it's like the like the attention to detail is fucking zero in this picture. How, uh, how? Why do? You, wait, what, how are they our sponsor? We're not promoting it very well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If I was listening to this, I'd go fucking see this movie right. Yeah, away. that's true. We are very. <laughs> we know our audience, and you guys are ironic like us. So yeah, the, yeah. There's a there's a part where like this kids running around, and we're like, this is in the future. And then they has like a poster for the 2032 Olympics. No, I in the turned back to you. Out. Do you remember I turned you at one I, point and just go. 
what year is this? And I'm like, it's the future, baby. <laughs> and, but she's still having like a punk show that looks like it's from 10 years ago. Like, 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 it's like punk bands are not even viable now. And it's like, okay, we're going to have like an eighth wave restoration of punk music. Her band PB&J, where they have peanut butter and jelly sandwiches sitting out, uh, outside. Hold on. I guarantee you he came up with this after watching fucking Patty Cakes, which is, <laughs> and he's like, PB&J is a fucking great name for a band. I'm just going to take it. Nobody's going to see these two movies. <laughs> well, guess what? I never saw Patty Cakes. I wish I had never seen Patty Cakes. <laughs> oh my God. That movie is dumb Hustle and Flow. Hustle and Flow is one of the greatest movies of all time. It's like, let's make this movie real fucking yeah, dumb. Yeah, well, you know, there needs to be a dumb Hustle and Flow. There needs to be a dumb Margaret. Let's just make dumb versions of other indie films. Oh, you know what our next project is? What? Dumb Weezer Bracket. Dumb Weezer Bracket. No, we already made it. <laughs> okay, let's, right, go, let's, let's go. go. Let's go into Dumb Weezer Bracket. <laughs> Round one. Get drunk and talk about Weezer and other shit. What's up, guys? Hey, I think we can manage this one. Hey, so we're uh, just having a special episode this week since we uh, had an- ended another round, and we have a special guest this week. Oh, uh, it gets it gets easier for us to end rounds now than it was. Yeah. <laughs> What? Like the first, the first time we ended a round, we had to get through like yeah, we had like I think four episodes. Did yeah, four episodes. Like now it's nothing. The next one it'll be two episodes. Like <laughs> we might not have another special one after that. That one, who knows? Yeah, we have a special guest this week. We have Thomas Grabinski. Hi, uh, I'm gonna fuck this all up by saying that I love Andrew and Nick, and I'm very happy to be here. But yeah, this is uh, Thomas Grabinski. I am at handsome underscore pal on Twitter. Hold on, you may uh, remember Handsome Pal here from a phone call we made where he knew these two really obscure songs and blew us away by that. I also want to say I also love me, so that's something we have in common. I remember, I think uh, it was uh, Time Flies versus Eulogy for a Rock Band. Oh, yeah. And I saved Eulogy for a Rock Band and uh, pushed Time Flies onward. Yeah, Nick Nick was, uh, Nick was wanted Time Flies, too. I'm more kind to Time Flies, but I am more shocked that a casual Weezer fan knows Time Flies. <laughs> it's like, that is a very forgettable gimmick song they have tacked song. onto an album. It's the last song of a Hurley. How does it compare to your last songs? You always like them to land the plane. Well, at that point, I'd just given up, so I didn't give a shit. <laughs> I mean, there is no landing the Hurley plane, let's be honest. Yeah. Well, what's the last song off of uh, Ratitude? I, I can't even remember right now. I know it's not Can't Stop Partying, and so it doesn't matter. Well, I know In the Mall is right before it. God. I mean, anything compared to In the Mall is awesome, so they landed that plane, I'm going to say. Thomas, what do you think of In the Mall? I think In the Mall is not a good song, uh, in the spirit of many of these Weezer Bracket tunes. I also haven't been to a mall in a long time. Mall's like kind of amazing because it really fucking sucks, and that kind of makes it really cool because it's like empty. I actually got to plug something. I do go to the mall all the time. I go to the Glendale Americana, baby, and that's where I come alive. I don't call that a mall because you do not go inside of anything. <laughs> that's true. I feel like there, there's no, like, inclo- you're not in, like, an enclosed space, so it doesn't feel like a mall to me. That's true, but if you park at the Galleria, you have to walk through the Galleria the gra- to get Galleria. to the Americana, and that's a bona fide mall, my dude. The Galleria is a mall. The Americana is not a mall. Yeah, that's true, but the Americana does fuck. I recently did a gig where they're like, yeah, park at the Galleria. And I'm like, okay, like, is there some sort of thing? Do I give you my license plate? And they're like, what? And I'm like... How how do I and the rest of the crew know that they're not going to tell us? And they're like, well, why are you concerned about that? I'm like, the, all the towing signs, the tow truck I saw there. And they said, and they said, no, no, just go buy something at the Apple store and then you'll be okay. No, they didn't even do that. They didn't even do that. <laughs> so there's been a lot of news in Weezer this week, actually, weirdly enough. Oddly so. Yeah. Weezer released a new song this week. Here, I'm going to play it, actually. Here, set it up, and I'm, I'm going to load up. And we'll okay, play it. so they released a new song called California Snow this week. 
I know Nick has some hot takes he's been building up this week. He's about to drop on me. Yeah. So so uh, here's the song. Some special. Unforgettable. Fifty cents. Just stand. Simple plan. Damn. Damn. She, she, she want it. I want to get to her. She know that it's right here for her. I want it. See it, break it down. Yeah. I'm ballin', blowin' money around. She work girl, she work the pole, she break it down, she take it low, she find it, she bout the dough, she doing a thing out on the floor. Her money, money, she make it, make it look at the way. She shake it, shake it, make it want touch it, make it want taste it. How you lustin' for it, going crazy, facing now, don't stop. Get it, get it, the way she shake it, make you want it. Then she double joint it from the way she split it, got your head. From the way she did it, she's so much more than you used to She knows just how to move to seduce you She gon' do the right thing and touch the right spots And dance on your lap till you're ready to pop She always ready when you want it She want it like a The info, I show you where to meet her On the late night till daylight The club jumping if you want a good time She gon' give you what you want and what you want to Baby, it's a new age, you like my new craze Let's get together, maybe we can start a new phase This smoke's got the club all easy, spotlights don't do you justice, baby Why don't you come over here, you got me saying Hey, oh, I'm tired of using technology Why don't you sit down on top of me Hey, oh, I'm tired of using technology I need you right in front of me She wants it it's the same fucking song as AO Technology. It's the fucking weirdest thing. What song are you talking about? AO Technology. It was the 50 Cent and Justin Timberlake collaboration. Wasn't there another song you said it sounded like? No, no that's it. Okay. I thought there was another song. I thought, I thought you said... I was just shocked that nobody put together because like that intro sounds the exact same, the way Rivers is shouting out stuff the way 50 is. But it sounds the exact same, and it's just like, wow, okay. I actually don't mind that song. This The... California snow that much. It's fine. It's like it's 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 it's, 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 a, it's not anything like it's it's not shitty like like some of the other songs we deal with every week. Someone DM'd us like they they just released their worst song. Like get on it. I'm like as an expert on this, I can tell you no. Is it stepping in the direction everybody wants? No, not necessarily. But like for just a song like released for a movie, and the fact that this song was not released for Venom or Life itself. Like come on. So they also released a music video this week. Yeah, they they uh that's undeniable. <laughs> <laughs> so they basically released a, a video for the song Africa. Yeah. Which is a cover of a song by Toto. Oh yeah. And it is a recreation of the undone music video with Weird Al. Yeah. Hey, speak about Toto. I told you I told you my dad went and saw Ringo and his all star <laughs> band this week, right? Which would you rather see, Toto or Ringo? There's Ringo. A, there's a member of Toto in the All Star Band. I know, but I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> God, I'm just asking you, which would you rather see? Uh, Ringo. Hell yeah. He might play some songs from. He like might the, play Octopus's Garden. He might play a song from the Caveman soundtrack or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, dude, there's like a member of Toto in there. There's a, there's the lead singer of Manette Works in it. There's a member of Santana in the All Star Band. Man, I remember there was this one time where MTV or no 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 is VH1 that guy from Minute Work had after 20 years released his solo project and. Some publicist, like someone has a really good advertising agency or whatever. Every time they went to fucking commercial break, they would always have at least one ad for this guy's solo effort. And it's like, who fucking cares? Dude, do you ever follow the All-Star Band? Because like every, because he does it like almost every year now. I think he's been doing it consistently for the last like... I think early 90s is when he started. He's been doing it forever. I've not and, and paid like, attention. It kind of started out like there was, it was a legit all-star band, you know? Yeah, yeah. The, the term star has become very loose. This reminds me of the preeminent all-star band of our time, Angels and Airwaves. Uh, uh, which is... No, the preeminent all-star band is Smash Mouth, of course. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Smash Mouth invented Sma- the term all-star. They but... invented the song all-star. <laughs> <laughs> but you're telling me that, that, that this all-star band comprised of members of Blink-182, The Offspring, and Boxcar Racer doing U2 covers is not the ultimate all-star <laughs> band? I... 
I'm going to start to question your musical credibility. <laughs> I was about to ask you. I always forgot who the other members of Angels in the Airways were because I know they were other people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's Adam Willard from The Offspring who's actually gone on to play drums as a permanent fixture in Against Me, which is a pretty good band. Oh, I love uh, the Against Me. But oh my but, God. But also, like, Against Me, like, come on. When, when's that expiration? And also, you need to refer to anyone in the offspring now as the non-PhD in offspring. <laughs> the, the, the PhDs are, are bumping in his trunk? <laughs> <laughs> All of his degrees are just bumping around in there. That's where he keeps them. He keeps his PhDs in his trunk. <laughs> so they're always just bumping up and down. <laughs> you never know when you're gonna need them. Oh, just like... Oh. But I watched that. Sir, I'm, sir, you can't. We're not going to give you the student discount for the movie. Hold on, I'll be right back. <laughs> hey, Nick, are you going to go? Are you going to get up on Sunday morning and go watch Wee's, uh Rivers play with the Phil, uh, Philharmonic uh, downtown with me? It's tempting. There's no good football game, so yeah. yeah. I might as, I'm going to go. I think I'm going to. I think I'm doing a Beyond Fest screening, so I was going to go there. They're pretty close. How are they? The Beyond Fest screenings. What? How early are the Beyond Fest? There's like one in the afternoon. Yeah, but no, it's like, hey, you want to go to uh, see Rivers Cuomo? It's at 10.30 a.m. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think of the Weird Al video? Oh, yeah. We, we, um, I thought, I watched like 30 seconds of it. <laughs> so, I mean, look, the biggest criticism of Weezer is that they are living in the past. They are living on their past successes. And, uh, well, this really does not do much to advance that. Yeah. Here's the thing. They've got some new fans who, who know, who've only heard this Africa cover, I feel like, weirdly enough, or they know some Weezer. But how many of these, uh, these like younger fans actually know the Undone music video? Everyone's like, wow, Weird Al's in the video. Weird Al's in the video. Where's Al the video? The rest of the members are Weird Al's band. <laughs> you know, yeah. nobody doesn't know, like, hey, that's not Pat Healy. You know, I thought they were, I was trying to see if they, they were other people were like people I'd know, but no, it's just Weird Al and his band. Right? I, I had to look it up and, and then I, the drummer, I'm like, wait, that guy looks familiar. And that was John Bermuda Schwartz, that who has been Weird Al's drummer since before i was born he was like since like 1979 80 um that's a career that is the most amazing career it's like hey what do you do for a living i'm weird al's drummer i bet you can have us that's like a solid like middle class job so anyhow uh let's talk to thomas about his affiliation with weezer and like him growing up with weezer affiliation i didn't he has no affiliation <laughs> with the <laughs> like I'm a, I'm a non-denominational Weezer fan. Um, it's, it's fun to come on this because I listen to you guys do Weezer Bracket every week. I know that's a little corny and we don't have to get into a meta commentary about what the Weezer Bracket means to me. We can just talk about Weezer. But I'm a few years younger than you guys. And so the Weezer singles that were really big and contemporaneous with my middle school years were fucking make-believe, dude. We're talking Beverly Hills. Sorry, um... Do you need a therapist? Yeah, actually, if, <laughs> if, if anyone's if anyone's looking for new patients, um, you can email me. I'll be honest with you, like I was a Weezer fan before Beverly. I mean, before Make Believe, but I will say I think my big Weezer fandom started when I was about fifteen, which would have been around two thousand two. It was after Maladroit came out, right? So, like, here's the thing. Uh, Make Believe was the first album I listened to as, as an already hardcore fan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, that was the first new release as a hardcore fan in my life. I think that might be true for me as well, because I'd stolen Blue Album, Pinkerton, uh, Green, and Maladroit from my older siblings, and I'd listened to them kind of piecemeal. But the first one I remember playing front to back was uh, Make Believe, and the first time I popped that CD in, I was greeted by Beverly Hills. Oh, I mean, like we had all heard it before that because, like, Beverly Hills was the first thing I remember when it, was, it first leaked. At, or maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. Remember. Oh, oh, I did. I saw the music video and I thought that song fucking rocked. Yeah. <laughs> I the first time I heard Make Believe was actually in the shittiest way because I was such a hardcore fan that so they had done a listening party like about a couple weeks before it came out. So you had someone had recorded the listening party? Someone had party? recorded the listening party. <laughs> and it was weirdly sped up, so it sounded like a Chipmunks version of it. Oh, <laughs> shit. 
But I'll tell you what. Ma- I, I, Beverly Hills Chipwrecked? No. The thing I can remember is, this is such a pity, sounds weirdly better in the like, sped oh, up version. Oh, shit. Yeah. I've never, I, I, I still like, this is such a pity, but I've kind of always liked the slightly sped up version, of, like shitty, shittily recorded version of it. That checks out. I can imagine Perfect Situation would lose all of its charm if it was sped up because Perfect Situation is such a like laid back, patient jam. Yeah. And in my opinion, the best song on the record, even oh, yeah. though I know you love Hold Me. Yeah, th- I mean, I think those two are the ones that everyone would agree are the two best songs on the album. I mean, I'll be honest. If we do what Uva Bull has asked me to do and speed them up to Chipmunk <laughs> speed, they're all going to lose their charm. Well, yeah, or but that's maybe, Pinkerton, though. That's, or maybe gain some charm. I don't know. No, but any song is what I'm saying. But it has to be Pinkerton, and that's the most interesting. Yeah, one. I have to do that, I guess. If we were going to have him on, I don't know if we're going to do that. <laughs> it's like, what do we do when we bring him on here, then? <laughs> I don't know. And then it's like, we also have to do it via Skype, and I'm like, I don't know how to record off Skype. <laughs> <laughs> like, the technical... Th- I mean, I'm sure I can figure it out in, like, 20 minutes, but, like, still, it's like, ugh... I think the first question you have to ask Uwe Bull, and this is this is free, you guys can have this, is what album is Weezer's In the Name of the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale? And which of Weezer's albums is Postal? And like, what, which al- al- albums are they analogous to? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Postal's I, probably Pinkerton. I've only ever seen, I'll be honest, honest I don't Postal's kind of good, I gotta say. I've only ever seen, I've seen House of the Dead, and I've seen, um, what's the, Alone in the Dark. I, those are the only two I've ever seen. <sighs> okay, like, I hate to bring this up, but like, so there's one day we did like a bad movie thing, and we watched Alone in the Dark, and we also watched Cop Out, and <laughs> I was, I was drunk. And I was angry about how boring Alone in the Dark is. But I just like started ranting about it. I'm like, yeah, this movie's boring and I hate it. But you know what? Every time somebody fires a gun, I know who they are, what they are firing at, what the consequences are if they hit it or if they miss, and the result of them firing. Cop out, I didn't know any of that shit. Ugh. I, I, I hate to bring I, I, I him watched, up on this. God damn, I watched Pot, Cop Out because of you a few years ago. Um, we, I've seen Cop Out so twice. It Nick, sucks. No, 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 no. This is a different thing where basically Nick Nick said, I said, hey, Nick, I'll watch Cop Out if you watch Tusk. Yeah, this was our suicide pact. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have come out worse on that, though. Oh, yeah. Tusk is worse than Cop Out. I mean, it's not far. My thing as a dissenting voice on this podcast is that I think Kevin Smith's a great filmmaker. I think uh, his filmography only improved from Clerks, uh, and that he's aged into a, a fine wine. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna cut that I part like what, out, I like, and then we're gonna no. we're gonna we're gonna put it on our website, and we're gonna like put all this SEO about Thomas Gravinsky. So when you look for a job, that comes up first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Grabinski will now be hosting the Kevin Smith uh, Film Festival <laughs> he, he, at the at the uh, he, at the Veggie Grill. At the veggie the grill. <laughs> 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 so, um, <sighs> uh, wow! All of our all of our fans are going to get these jokes. <laughs> you know, a lot of our fans probably will because they follow our Twitter accounts and they've seen these jokes. <laughs> Sincerely. <laughs> Um, so to catch you up, I saw the film Mandy a few weeks ago, and it had a Q and A with Nicolas Cage and the, and the director Paris Cosmatos, and it was hosted by Kevin Smith. And Kevin Smith intros it by saying, "Wow, guys, this movie's great! I just watched it on my laptop at Veggie Grill down the street, and it blew me away." Why would you even say that? I don't know. Like, I, like uh, for someone pointed out, I thought he was going to make a reference to like someone wa- watching him watching it and being freaked out yeah, or something. Yeah, like that would make sense. But there was no point to it. There was absolutely no point. Hey, Thomas, can you give me a beer? <laughs> <laughs> There's no like. It's like when someone has like an ugly baby. You, you just don't say it. You just don't say it. You just don't say it. There's no good that will come from saying like, "Hey, your baby is ugly." Hey, I watched your your movie that you've put so many years of effort and toil into at the fucking veggie grill on my. Car.
compact presario. Can I make? Can I say one thing about this though? I really like the uh, veggie grill, like buffalo wing things they have. They're really good. Uh, I haven't had. They're I've pretty had all this stuff at the veggie grill. I like the veggie grill. Yeah, it's. It, I no, I don't think this. We're anti veggie grill in any sort of way. No, no, that's not our problem with the <laughs> statement. <laughs> what is your take on veggie grill? I think veggie grill is very good. My go-to order is the buffalo bomber with the, uh, you know, uh, fries. Yeah, veggie grill is good. And I, can, I get why Kevin Smith's going to the veggie grill. I just, well, yes, because if he goes anywhere else, he will die. He will die if he eats anywhere else. Like, yes, that's why you go. Yeah, he eats at veggie grill and soup plantation. Can I raise a, a Weezer question really quick? Sure. Would you guys agree that pork and beans, all things considered, kind of slaps? It's not the worst song, I'll tell you that. No, I like pork and beans. It's fine. I remember whenever I remember when the, before the Red Album came came out, there was like a thirty second clip released on iTunes, not on iTunes. It was actually on Amazon, and I was I got so excited. So I heard like the, there was like slightly crunchy guitars, and it yeah. was like, it sounded like it sounded like it was going back. It had a catchy like chorus and a beat that you can <laughs> sing along. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, those, those are nice things about it. No, the that lyri- was a reference to the song oh, Pork yeah, yeah. Beats. I mean, just the lyrics are just dumb. No, I mean, like, yeah, the Timberlake lyrics dumb. The fact that he's like talking about his underwear and his Rogaine, but I still like the, I still like the, yeah. You know, it, here's the thing: is like, remember we watched that? Uh, what what the fuck was it? Gamers Choice Awards. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was on Spike TV. Man, Rivers's bald spot is like, you know, like you have a call sheet. It'd be Rivers number one. Rivers Bald Spot number two. Like, that thing is like guest star of that thing. And I would have never known to look for it if it wasn't for that song. Yeah. Kind of a great way to tie in with all the Kevin Smith talk because he has the worst bald spot. Oh, my God. My wife. I'm sorry. Ask it on microphone. Okay. Hello. Have you guys talked about how Suzanne is in Mallrats or not? Oh, yeah. We definitely. Okay. Because that's the Kevin Smith connection, right? You got to check that episode out, Spiffy. This is me plugging the Weezer bracket. <laughs> Can we talk about one hold line? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. Is the Suzanne sequence arguably the best part of Mallrats? I think the game show is really fucking funny in Mallrats. You know what? I, I agree with that. The, the game show is like, so did he come or what? It's a really fucking funny line. That is that super 90s trope of like, yeah. oh, here's this one guy just wild and out and the man can't handle it. We've definitely talked about Suzanne being in Mallrats because I think we've actually talked about the weird, like extended cut that, like he had to cut down with the like assassination attempt, and yeah, yeah, and how he just like, oh, let me see if they'll pay for a monkey. All right, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today. It's like you know, we really hadn't mentioned our boyfriend recently. Who? Matt Sharp. Oh yeah, we haven't talked about Matt Sharp. Uh, we, I, I really don't want us to veer into territory where we talk more about Kevin Smith than you know, Matt Sharp. Actually, this is, I think this is a good question. Um, Thomas, did you ever listen to the Reynolds, or do you have you ever listened to any Reynolds? I have not actually listened to the Reynolds, but I'm acutely aware of Matt Sharp and his contentious relationship with Rivers. Um, I think you would really enjoy the Reynolds, especially like the first time, uh, Reynolds album. Return of the Reynolds is a really, really great album that I would 100% suggest you listen to. We're getting big thumbs up from Nick, which you can't see if you're not in the room. But um, the first, we only have two microphones. Yeah, um, the first Reynolds album is really great. I think actually the second one is pretty good. I think it's called Another Another Se- Seven Minutes, like which is obviously a, a reference to like 15 Minutes of Fame. The Reynolds is such a weird band. At one point, I think Maya Rudolph was a member of the Rentals. Oh shit! What it, did she play? I forget. Maybe keyboards or something like that. I think, I but think. yeah, I don't like. It, she was in between, but the Reynolds is a legit, really good band, and I suggest checking them out. And is the Reynolds something that just postdates Matt Sharp being ejected from Weezer? Or no, do they no. Exist like, contemporary Return of the Reynolds too? comes out between, comes out after the album in in between. Oh and, wow! Yeah. Okay. Rivers frequently cites it as why they split. Return of the Reynolds is a legit great album and kind of a legit great '90s album. Like yeah. people love that album a lot. Yeah. To build upon that it's very of its time it doesn't have the timelessness that say a blue does right right like this you feel it's like oh i'm listening to 90s music it is perhaps one of the best executions thereof but it does not escape the trappings of that 
Got it. It has a big single called Friends of P, which wasn't a huge hit, but a lot of people knew from the that whole album is pretty fantastic from top to bottom. Yeah. I should check that out because even before I knew much about the band behind the music, when I was listening to Weezer as a kid, I stole Weezer's video capture device from my older sister Molly. And I watched that all the time, and I remember the one thing that most resonated with me, aside from like just Rivers' kind of iconic look, is Matt Sharp's presence in those videos. Oh, Matt Sharp has so much more chari- oh charisma God. than everyone else in those videos. For sure, dude. In the Buddy Holly video, he's really fucking going for it, but in the El Scorcho video, he is the energy of that video, yeah. I think. You never saw them on Letterman, did you? That's true. I never watched the Letterman performance. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked about it, but like Matt Sharp... It feels like he's in at the drive-in, and everyone else is in just the standard band. He is going for it so fucking hard; it's fucking great. So our dream is, if we could, like, we would. I think even more than Rivers in some ways. I think we would love to have Matt yeah. Sharp on yeah. this podcast. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, actually, no, I would love Rivers, but I would no. I we I know us. We would feel bad. We would feel real bad in the days leading up to talking to Rivers. We just wouldn't be able to get much out of him. I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, I, but we would also like be worried as like, oh, did he hear when I said I didn't like this I, lyric? I, did he take it to heart? I just think Matt Sharp would be probably more, more open than than Rivers and we yeah. get a lot out of him. Matt Sharp would give us shit. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, he should. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, I, I don't think Rivers would like, you know, Rivers wouldn't play along. Matt Sharp seems like he's from Earth. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have not talked specifically about this interview, although I'm sure you've referenced it, but in 2014, when Rivers did that Mark Maron interview, he basically for 90 minutes opens up to Mark, and that to me is like the most illuminating document of Rivers Cuomo. It's the most he's ever spoken. That's the most I've ever heard him talk, and like it's kind of the weird thing. with It's also a Maron interview, so it's like... Also, what's going on in Mark's garage? Are there ants? Is the the microphone arm squeaky and he just can't get to seem to oil the right part? Did he lock the gates? Did he lock the gates? Oh my God, Boomer! Boomer is doing this thing. Yeah. Oh my God, Boomer's good. Boomer was dead by that point. <laughs> that was like when I was still listening to it every week. So I was. I can't imagine listening to that shit every week. Oh, I used to do it like twice a week because he would do it. He does it on what Monday and Thursdays, right? Still does it. I feel bad for the times that I'd listen to Bill Simmons twice a week, and at least he was talking about like sports news, and then like getting into like, hey, my friend from high school has this opinion. You know, let's talk to him for sixty minutes, and it's like, all oh, right, whatever. I um, I listened to the Jay Leno episode of Marin, and it oh, was man. it was like the worst episode hero. of Marin I've ever. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey guys, <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. If you had to have one of them on this podcast, would you rather have Jay Leno or Drew Carey? Oh, that's a good question, uh, <laughs> dude. I listened to the Drew Carey. I actually listened to the Drew Carey episode of Marin. It's really good. Oh, I just watched uh, the perfect bit on Hulu, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, Drew Carey would be a much better person to have on this podcast. I don't know why we'd have him on a Weezer podcast, but that's a good question. I mean, uh, well, hold on, we'll have anybody. Like, we have some guests line up. Like, they have nothing to do with anything. Yeah, Hulu Bull has nothing to do with Weezer. He's a solid maybe. We've all, yeah. Hey guys, can I just uh, interrupt that? I'm I'm on the DMs for the Weezer bracket right now. All right. And someone, the random person, just texted us hello or DM'd us hello. Oh. Hey, Andrew may not be single for long. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Taylor Salim Hossein 971. Yes. Oh, the so actually, Taylor Hossein 971. Hey, do you, so I think this is a good time, actually, though, to we asked for some questions today. Oh, yeah. And let's see if we can. We, I'm sure we can actually answer a few of them. Maybe. So our friend Emma actually asked, would life itself be improved with a Weezer song on the p- soundtrack? There is literally nothing that'll fucking... Oh, wait, they're a sponsor of us. Uh, the movie is perfect and wonderful in every way. I think if you look at the ratio of good Weezer songs to bad Weezer songs, actually, that's immaterial. The best Weezer song would not improve life itself. I was actually thinking about this, though, because I had seen that question earlier, and I was thinking, what instead of Bob Dylan's time out of mind, he had just been acting like it was Pinkerton, and he's like, <laughs> this, was their, this was an underrated album from 1996, no one appreciated it, and then it came back. Like, like, uh, actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. If he's in that coffee shop, he goes, God damn you half-Japanese girls. <laughs> <laughs> That's that would be such a better scene if he 
Yeah, I think it would be some real gonzo shit, though, if it wasn't even Pinkerton. Like, if it was Maladroit, and he's, like, t- extolling the virtues of American gigolo. <laughs> what if he's trying to tell everyone that rad dude's, like, the underrated <laughs> Weezer album? He's not fucking wrong. Can't Stop Partying is the thesis of life itself. That movie ah, says that even if... Literally, dude, that movie says that even when everyone dies, it will beget new life, and those homies will fucking party and watch Tarantino movies. The partying doesn't stop. Even if you stop partying, your kids can't stop partying. (laughs) Hey, kids. He's like, oh, my God. What if he's just like... Oh my god, what if he's in the coffee scene and he starts playing in the mall? <laughs> in the mall! Enter, enter. He's like, shut up. How, how have we talked about so many fucking Weezer songs, but the one that we philosophize, we've only done one and it can't stop partying. <laughs> I had my fucking JFK assassination theory about it. He's got like, it's life itself. Like, man, it really is the best Weezer song. Thane sent us a bunch of questions. I think this is all, I think it's all a lead up for a joke, but uh... yeah. But there's some, still some good qu- questions in here, actually. Can you s- discuss your thoughts on their cover art? I, how we, we haven't even, I feel like we talked about cover art. I guess maybe not. Not really. Not really. But, I mean, like, the beloved cover art is about is, as iconic as cover art gets anymore, I would say. Yeah. I, I, I love Blue and the Green Album cover art. Like, I was thinking about the Green Album today, and it's like if any other band used that tone of green on the album, You'd be fucking annoyed, but for Weezer in that moment, for what they were, it made sense. It was the perfect shade, yes. And like having like Mikey Welsh kind of look like kind of scary was kind of cool. Totally. Yeah, they nailed that one. I mean, look, they nailed four guys in front of a color. You know what's weird about it's like River's appearance on like the Green Album is kind of what you imagined him always being after that. You know what I'm saying? And what he wasn't. With with, obviously the horn rim sunglasses and like, you know, the sweater. He just kind of looks like how you always imagine River's being. Yeah, like that was kind of one of my problems with uh, the Weird Owl video for Africa is like he has he's in this sweater and it's like Rivers isn't a soccer jersey in that video. I think they're trying to combine the Buddy Holly music video with Undone with his appearance. Yeah, I guess, yeah, a little bit. But That's like, what they were trying to do. They were trying to kind of combine multiple like classic Weezer images. This is low-hanging fruit because Pinkerton is a perfect record, and I think of songs on Pinkerton, and there aren't many songs I've ever heard that I like more than them, but the Pinkerton album art is kind of incredible, and people don't talk about that a lot because they're busy talking about the songs and the sequence, but the art is fucking great. It adds an element of mythology to the record. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is a piece of art. You know what I'm saying? I, I know that painting, though. It's great. I think it plays into the fact that it uh, became a weird like concept album based around Madame Butterfly. Have you ever actually like watched Madame Butterfly? Um, I know a little bit, a bit about it. Yeah, I've seen some stuff. We should probably do. <laughs> Why did I only come up with this now? Well, here's <laughs> you know why? Because it's Pinkerton, which is not doesn't really factor into this fucking bracket. Yeah. Pinkerton, true. <laughs> <laughs> but Pinkerton is like a nexus of all of these weird ideas. It's like the album art is this like really, really like lush East Asian imagery, but then like the word Pinkerton refers to like like a secret agent, like a, a government figure, like a detective. We haven't seen Madame Butterfly because we don't talk about Pinkerton, but like Pinkerton, the uh, Olivia Wilde of albums, like once we ask that album out, there's no going back, you know? I mean, it sadly got hit, it gets hit by a bus. <laughs> Did you guys hold the CD of Pinkerton? Did you ever open it up and like look at the map that was under in, inside of it? There's like a map that has, like, yeah. and it has like references. There's he and he places like weird references. Like I remember he was on the Howard Stern show at one point, and he there's actually a Howard Stern reference like hidden in it because he was a like, huge Howard Stern fan like at the time and has subliminal things in there. I never looked that deep into. Well, it. if you open, the- I kind of looked at it as like you look at a lot of those Lord of the Rings books, and it's like, oh, there's a map here. I'm sure that won't be important. Oh well, God. Well, here's the weird thing it, with the green album open up like the cd case there's like a thing in the inner lining that has a reference like where it's like that apparently it's a response to the inner lining of 
the of OK Computer, if that makes sense. It's like, <laughs> crack it open. You know, there's like 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 the uh, OK Computer thing in the CD jewel case. It asks a question, and like they thought it'd be funny if they just responded to that. Whoa, mind melted. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's kind of just a joke. It's not like it's not like some deep like yeah, thing, I, but yeah. I'm not. I'm sure it's not a good answer to whatever the question like, was. Okay, computer's like, how are you doing? And then I think the Weezer's just like, we're doing okay, something like that. <laughs> that wouldn't be as cool today, but back then, when every album is so expensive, like the idea of like putting in a joke something so flippant is pretty fucking fun i mean back then an album mattered you know what i really miss about the cd age is like the hidden track like the legit you know oh you could, we you have could to hide tracks and like yeah yeah rewind back over zero yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. that was always so much fun it was almost it was always so much fun unless that was like your favorite track on that record and then it's like this is a fucking pain in the ass yeah yeah, yeah for sure nick what weezer albums did you own on cd uh the first three uh, Maladroit was the first, first, first album I ever got a bootleg of before. Oh, shit. I got that fucking crazy bootleg that was like 22 tracks long, and it had this weird version of Slob where it played, and then like two-thirds of the way through, there was someone saying, the worm <laughs> dubbed into it. It was crazy. That fucking rocks. So this is from Wikipedia. This was Weezer's first album. Our favorite feature. source. Yeah. Uh, Weezer's first album. The check feature. it. Check out its entry on the English patient. <laughs> 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 this is Weezer's first album. The feature a transparent CD case under the CD tray. The word. The album the word no can be found on the back of the spine. Some fans speculate this is a response to the inside tray of Radiohead. Com- Radiohead's album OK Computer, which contains the text, I like you, I like you. You are wonderful you are a wonderful person. I'm full of enthusiasm. I'm going places. I'm happy to help you. I am an important person. Would you like to come home with me? <laughs> Weezer's explanation was vague with, with webmaster Carl Coke stating no means no. <laughs> I didn't know if you guys ever heard that before, but I find that so fascinating. I had not heard that before. Well, I own two copies of Ratitude on CD, and that guy was simply uh, pregnant with Easter eggs. <laughs> it was pregnant with Easter eggs, such as good songs. <laughs> yeah, every song on Ratitude is good. Where the fuck did you find that Easter egg on that album? <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop partying. You're right. Yeah, yeah. It's insane to me that Can't Stop Parting is track four on an album that is more than four tracks. I know. What, what's amazing is like we talk about CSP because it's a song that we have been so obsessed with. There is one song on Ratitude that did not make the bracket, and I have no idea what it sounds like anymore. <laughs> There's oh, yeah. a song on there that is, that's on that good songs playlist that one dude made. And I have no idea what that fucking record sounds like. <laughs> no, I, have, I don't remember what it is. I don't remember what the name of the song is right now. Isn't that a fascinating thing about the Weezer? Uh, the Weezer? About the band Weezer, though, looking back through the prism of the Weezer bracket, is some of the worst songs are more memorable than some of the okay songs. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why this works. Uh, like, 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 like people are like, why Weezer? Or like, hey, after this, are you, will you do this? It's like... A bad Weezer song like can go so many fucking different ways and be crazy. It's like we couldn't make like I don't know the bad like Bush bracket because like a bad Bush song is like it's like them just trying to make a good Bush song and they just didn't get there. The reason this also works is because I don't think there's another band sort of thing that we both have inherent knowledge of that we've kind of been like we've both been weirdly obsessed with at times and have love but struggle with. So that's absolutely true. But I'm saying on a conceptual basis, it's like those bad Oasis songs are just like boring or, you know, something. It's not like there's like, cool, this is Oasis with Jermaine Dupri. Like what? Okay. Well, those bad Oasis songs still always sound like an Oasis song. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Not like Rivers Cuomo going like, well, I'm going to try this now. Oasis featuring Chameleon Air. 
or like bad stroke songs where it's never fun, right? Like you're never like reveling in the way that they're bad or interested in the way that they're bad. You're just frustrated bad, because yeah, they're left Yeah, that's the word I was right going to use. Bad stroke songs are always just frustrating because it's like, I know you guys had a decent idea here. I wish you guys were getting along at this point in time. Right, right. I wish you guys could stand to be in the same room as each other. They're never like, cool, we're going to go full EDM. Uh, we're going to have this song... Uh, that was written by an old blues singer. Yeah, yeah. or like I'm Strokes at- Goes Bare Naked Ladies, where you're like, damn, that's brazen. Yeah, <laughs> like there was nothing like that. And it's like, yeah, a bad Strokes song is just like, fuck, this could have been good. Totally. It's like an album like First Impressions of Earth. You've got like Heart in a Cage, you've got Electricity Escape. Those are really cool songs. And then there's stuff on there that's just tepid. Yeah, it's you're just bored with it. You're like, I wish this was better. Right, right. Like a bad Weezer song is just like, I don't understand what they were thinking, and we try to break that down. And sometimes we know, sometimes we don't, sometimes we make stuff up. But it's like, it's at least interesting. It's always worth discussing. Totally. And until you interrogate that stuff, you don't find something like Can't Stop Partying, which like on on the surface level is terrible, but comes back around to being legendary. Yeah. My favorite thing about Can't Stop Partying is I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember before I even heard, I was so familiar with it because I heard the um, the Rivers Alone version of before, which came out before the Ratitude version. Right. Which is sad. It is sad. It's, it works. I mean, but yeah, I'm glad it became what it became because God damn, what a weird fucking song that I love so much. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> Do you know what Thane brought up that I don't know if we ever fully gone into? He asked he asked us to talk about the proposed sitcom based on the Rivers, uh, his time at uh, Harvard. We talked a little bit about that. We might have made we it on might the have, podcast. Yeah, I, thought, I, I was about to say we might have edited it out. Yeah. 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 So uh, the Rivers pilot, which it was, I believe it was developed at Fox. They shot the pilot. It never went to air, obviously. It was never picked up. I think it was very loosely based. Like it was like very much the idea of uh, Rockstar goes back to college and ends up at Harvard. I'm struggling to think of how a strictly based on Rivers main character you could have for a television show. Because I mean, look, part of our whole impetus for doing this is that Rivers is a mystery. Yeah. And you can't have Rivers as your main character like, oh man, uh, I gotta ask this girl to the spring fling or whatever. You know, and you know everything. At Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck they do at Harvard, man. They kiss and study. Way if R- Rivers joined the National Lampoon, the Harvard Lampoon. He could have. He's a funny guy. He's funny. Not... Yeah, I just don't see him like dedicating himself to being that kind of funny. Rivers Cuomo, now a writer for The Simpsons. I'd take it at this yeah. point. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I would I would take that a thousand times over. It's like, hi, Bart, we're Weezer, you know? Rivers, what is your pitch? So Marge becomes disappointed in Homer and starts to doubt her marriage. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, why have we never done that plot before? No, no, it's like, hey, Rivers, what's your pitch? Uh, Homer releases an album that's greatly successful, and then he releases a second one that's really good, but the critics give it a lambasting, but it becomes appreciated in time. Okay, no. Do you, have else? Do you have anything else? How about Homer really disappoints Lisa, but he redeems himself in the end? Whoa. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> what, what, what if we take uh, Homer, and instead of making him just a, uh, a family man who's struggling, who doesn't have all the tools to get there, what if we just make him, you know, impossibly stupid? Like, like impossibly stupid. And then we just run with that for 19 years. That was like, remember the, the, the Simpsons fake clip show they did, where they did the look back at the Simpsons? Yeah, which was actually really funny. But they point out... Just, yeah, we've made him really stupid. It's like Homer, a.k.a. Captain Wacky. <laughs> he crosses that line about season seven or eight. And yeah, like, seven or eight. It never comes back from it. That's like that's like the that's like the ratitude of like seasons. Like, I feel oh like- fuck, we didn't talk about that. John Hendel. Oh, oh should- why 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 three quarters of our audience are listening to us now? Our friend John Hendel had a tweet that went super viral. So basically. Our friend John like texts us one day. He said, "So I um, 
I get this email from my um, my student because our friend has our friend John Hendel basically just moved back to uh, Ohio. He's going to Ohio University to get his uh, master's right now, but he's also teaching uh, the Ohio University. <laughs> no, that, that's not even true. I get that joke, but I don't know how many people will understand that joke. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> so anyhow, he's teaching like introductory uh, theater courses and like he's teaching these giant seminars, which are probably like, you know, a hundred plus students. He sent, submitted his first paper out. He gets an email night, one night from his, one of his students and she's like profusely apologizing. She says, Professor Hendo, I apologize. I um, Basically, she had forgot his name so she had just written something kind of in the uh the a space. placeholder yeah a placeholder and she's like i'm so sorry and john's like whatever it's okay i don't know i i don't care anyhow he goes and checks it and she had called him professor what's his nuts <laughs> and he and he tells us the story and I was like, that's funny and then like he tweets about it and it becomes a viral sensation. It's got like 30,000 retweets, uh, over 100,000 likes. He has uh, put two uh, chronic Twitter Twitterers to shame. Yeah. And then like, I think BuzzFeed wrote an article about it. I think Time Magazine wrote an article Business about it. Insider. Business Insider wrote an article about it. I mean, it. hold on. Let's be fair. Business, Business Insider's a Snyder. Business Insider. They wrote it like a BuzzFeed. Okay, no, Business Insider, number one, is a misnomer of a name. It is like BuzzFeed 2. It is nothing about business. It's just like, like, oh my God, here are five times we're all Walter White. You like, know what would blow my mind? If The Economist covered him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, thank you, John Hendel, for plugging our, our podcast with your uh, viral you, you fame. Double, doubled our follower count. We really appreciate that. We love you, John. Love you. Let's have one Weezer conversation to wrap this up and we'll be done, okay? Hell yeah. Please. Do you have anything, anything specifically you want to talk about? Oh, you don't even have a topic? Uh, Thomas, have you ever seen a member of Weezer out in the wild? No, but I've seen Weezer live, and it rocked. I have never seen any of them Where'd you see them at? I saw Weezer play a festival in Des Moines, Iowa called 8035, and they played immediately after Run the Jewels, which was a tight fucking lineup. This was right after Run the Jewels came, Run the Jewels 2 came out, like maybe four months after. Andrew and I saw them like five times on that tour. It was super tight. We went so many fucking times where we were just like, oh, they just did the same show. This that was the last time. I think I hit you up to see them at the Echoplex when they had just dropped the that first was, album. That was, and then we saw the... I think we we were both... Go, we went to FYF that summer and we saw did. them. And then uh, they dropped uh, Run the Jewels 2, I think, in October of that year, I would say. Yeah. And we saw them with Spence at the Echoplex again. And then we saw them with your brother at a place downtown. I forget what location. It was the, the region. region. And, and I hated that show. We, we nearly walked not, out of that not show. So, not so much because of the band. Just the, the, the sound was the, so the, bad. The sound of the venue was really horrible. The region is shit. Yeah. Uh, I did recently see ICP there. Uh, that was a pretty good venue for that, though. Uh, yeah. I was in VIP. I would like to say a thing about Weezer Live. There are songs on Weezer Records that I think are fucking obnoxious and I would never elect to listen to myself, but live, they're kind of fun. Like, the band is a well-oiled machine, and some of these more poppy, consumable items work really well in a live setting. Like, I saw them on that tour, and they played Buddy Holly, and then they went into Hashpipe, and then they played Troublemaker, and if you gave me a playlist that was Buddy Holly, Hashpipe, Troublemaker, I'd tell you to fuck off. But live, I was totally ready to hear I mean, Troublemaker. Troublemaker probably works live very much. They actually had, they, actually for the Red Album, they called it the Troublemaker Tour. I'll say this. I've always said the same about Waka Flocka Flame. <laughs> Listen, I'm always kind of happy. Like There are certain, like Beverly Hills, I'm always kind of annoyed when they play live, but I understand they have to play it. Right. But I'm always kind of I'm always kind of into it when they play Pork and Beans live. Pork and Beans is always kind of fun. Totally. And and a thing I realized in a live setting was even though there's some stuff that doesn't connect with me anymore on Weezer Records, I'm grateful they're still around because they're still having a good time. They still put on a great show. I'm grateful for Weezer. They do such they do so much goofy shit during their. Life. <laughs> 
I'm grateful for Weezer too. I saw them do pork and beans at, at the at the forum show. They they were uh, rotating choruses. Everyone sang sang like not a chorus. Everyone sang like one of the verses basically. And I just remember Pat kind of just did something goofy. I I can't tell. I mean, Pat's obviously gonna just kind of always do something like that. Yeah. Obviously, I forgot to hear Scott Schreiner sing a verse, which is you know I was oh, so your honored. favorite. Anyhow, uh, I think it's time for us to wrap up this week. Yep. This has been an interesting episode. I want to thank Thomas for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. So, uh, shout out to all of the people checking us out for the first time. This is nothing what the show is usually like. Now they've listened to the other episodes. That's why we're delayed. Yeah. So, I hope. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed some of the Weezer conversation. I hope you enjoyed the Life Itself conversation. I hope you (laughs) enjoyed... all the other conversations we had, Kevin Smith, Veggie Grill. Uh, I mean, actually, this is actually a perfect encapsulation of our no, podcast. No, this very much represents what this podcast is in its own weird, like, weird, Cronenberg weird. I don't know if I'd say Cronenberg, but yeah. I don't know. Your, your arm's looking really grotesque right now. <laughs> yeah, body horror. I, yeah, if you just listen, I kind of like the if question. You, if you just listen to the body horror, it's the Weezer Bracket podcast. Yeah, <laughs> if you don't see it, <laughs> I go, hope you guys have had a great week. We're gonna sign off now. Goodbye, Jim This is Nick. I thought you were gonna forget. We needed to introduce ourselves at some point. Yeah, um, right, well, you want to plug your Twitter handle again? This is Thomas Grabinski. I'm on Twitter as handsome underscore pal forever in service of Jim Jarmusch here and at Nick Rob. Hey, we're really happy that handsome pal was available for you because you are our handsome. What was pal. your last? Uh, what was your last one? <laughs> at Dave Matthews bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> hey, y'all. You guys have a good week. Bye. Bye. Uh, Spence has uh, expressed an objection to our description of Marcy's playground, and here's his defense. Uh, I really have no defense of Marcy's playground or uh, anything wrong to say what you guys were saying about Marcy's playground. I will just say the only thing, my only real thought about Marcy's playground is, so my mom... Uh, grew up in Santa Barbara, California, and one of her best friends was the sister of the lead singer from Marcy's Playground. And this is something that may be hard for me to say, but one time visiting back down here in Santa Barbara, or at least, you know, in Southern California, you know, as a teen, as a hormonal teen, uh, got into a hot tub with my mom and my mom's former best friend, who was the sister of the lead singer of Marcy's Playground. And she was hot as hell. Like around, you know, at this time, it must she must have been like 38 or so. All right. And, you know, I had to hide a boner for my mom. For the sister. No, I had to hide a boner for my mom. It's like that album, "Water for My Horses," a boner for my mom. <laughs> All I'll say is, I had to hide a boner from my mom. Okay. Because <laughs> her mom's best friend was super fine, and she was the oh. sister. Of the lead singer of Marcy's Playground. So what's that got to do with the price of tea in China? I have no idea. All I say is every time you guys talk about Marcy's Playground, I just want to bring up the story and I don't want to interject. But it's the only thing I know about Marcy's Playground. So every time we talk about Marcy's Playground, the first thing you think is, hey, that time I had a boner around my mom? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because it's the sister of the lead singer of Marcy's Playground. Why are you trying to remember this time you had a boner next to your mom? I'm not trying to remember it. It's a memory. Memories can't be confounded. This reminds me of the time I had a boner around one of the members of Switchfoot. See you guys. (laughs) I will say this. 
If I ever around your mom, I'll probably also have a boner. <laughs> <laughs> oh Dude, this reminds me of Blake Lady too, dog. <laughs> yeah. I smell sex and kinda here. I smell sex and right. Oh. Well, wow, what a uh, spirited defense of Marcy's Playground. <laughs> I will never listen to that band the same way again. This is the Weezer Bracket signing off. Damn, that's like Edward R. Murrow shit right there. No, we were going to put that in there somehow. Yeah, we're just going to put it in there. He didn't say anything. <laughs> Spence was talking a lot about how he wanted to, he got a boner at his mom's friend. I know. <laughs> All the Weezer songs, we are claiming fair use uh, for purposes of discussion, and you should look back because there's a lot of discussion about this, so there you go. But the intro music is by Alvoro Kid, and we downloaded it from hooksounds.com, Creative Commons with Attribution, so there you go. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and see you next week. Oh, I would also like to give a shout out to Spence Nicholson for helping us with the art. Yeah. Oh, he's real happy about that. And giving it and letting us record in your house. Thank you, Spence. Thanks, Spence. See you guys next week. Bye. Thank you.